Welcome to Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with Alexia Leachman, the weekly nine-month podcast to help parents-to-be look forward to their fear-free childbirth. Alexia is a pregnancy and head trash clearance coach and the author of Fear Free Childbirth, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy and a Positive Pain-Free Birth. As a mum who's had two fear-free and pain-free births, Alexia wants to share with you how she overcame her pregnancy and childbirth fears so that you can look forward to having a fear-free birth too. Over the nine-month life of this podcast, Alexia will be sharing some real-life stories from mums and dads, insights into the latest childbirth research, inspiring tales from birth professionals, and some tips and techniques for clearing your fears and stresses. If you would like to receive a free chapter from her book, then head over to fearfreechildbirth.com, where you can also sign up for her email series, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy. But now, it's time for the show. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leach, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, as you've been listening over the last few episodes, there's been very much the appearance of the idea of consciousness when it comes to the pregnancy journey. And last week, I chatted to Julie Ann Mullen all about how you can have a conscious pregnancy. Well, today's episode, we're going to be hearing from a conscious mama. And I'm going to be speaking to somebody who I think very much epitomizes the idea of a conscious mama. Somebody who approached her pregnancy very much with a conscious and deliberate attitude when it comes to thinking about the kind of mother that she wanted to be, the kind of relationship that she wanted to have with her children and how she wanted to create a life for herself that meant that when her children arrived that she would have a life to be able to support them and be present with them. Today I'm going to be speaking to Laura Morrison and Laura is going to be sharing with us her pregnancy journey and her two amazing positive birth experiences. And I think what's really interesting listening to Laura is that even though her pregnancy wasn't planned when she first found out that she was pregnant, when she did find out, my goodness, she sort of kicked into action really quickly and effectively. And her background in corporate, I think, really served her well. And she she talks about how she started planning her exit strategy from corporate life to create a life that will be more conducive to being a mother and being there for her children. And it's a really interesting journey to listen to. She's very, very calm and chooses her words really carefully and she's very self-aware as well. So it's really interesting to hear how Laura approached her pregnancy and what she did to help her to prepare both emotionally and mentally and how her births unfolded but she also talks about how she dealt with the medical teams because for one of her births there was a little bit of a disagreement over due dates and so she talks about how she stood her ground and and made sure that she didn't feel like she was being pushed around by the medical team was able to sort of maintain control over her own birth experience. There's so much to learn from Laura during this chat. She shares much wisdom, much insight, and she has lots of really great advice. So without further ado, here's when I spoke to Laura Morrison all about her pregnancy journey and her wonderful birth experiences. Well, today on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast, I've got Laura Morrison with me. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast, Alexia. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, um, as it's a really, really important message that you're sharing with the programme. 
Thank you. Thank you. Now, before we dive into talking about your pregnancy journey and your positive birth experiences, if you just wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself so we can get a little bit of sense of who you are, who Laura is. Okay. I'm Laura Morrison and I'm mother to Avalon and Eden, my two little girls who are six and four now. So it's quite a long time since I had my pregnancy. And I now work for myself, um, running the Game Changer Consultancy, which is a consultancy on business growth. And I also run the Talented Woman Project, which is something I'll share more about later. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you. Sounds like you've got quite a lot going on for you. So now, so, and I know before we started talking, you talked about how you made changes during your pregnancy. So we'll touch on that as well. But before we, you know, just to kick off, would you mind just share, you know, telling me how was it for you that moment that you first found out that you were pregnant? Okay, the moment I first found out I was pregnant, I was on my way back from a client meeting oh. in corporate, and I'd had a nagging feeling that something wasn't quite right. I worked in a very um, high-powered industry, um, technology, working with major clients, long hours, and was putting the tiredness and everything else I was feeling down to stress. We weren't planning to have a family quite as early as we did. And I discovered I was pregnant. I decided to stop by on the way home, do a test, just find out one way or the other. And I was pregnant. <laughs> so at the time, my now husband and I weren't living together. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so that was a really interesting conversation. And I was really fortunate. He took it really, really well. We booked in, we had our scan a couple of days later, which obviously made it very real, very, very quickly for us. Mm. Um, really, really exciting, though. Really exciting. So, so how, how far gone were you then when you discovered that you were pregnant? 14 weeks. Oh, my goodness. 14 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, that's quite incredible. So really, your first trimester, you, I guess, you know, you really, it was mainly exhaustion, was it, that you were experiencing? Um, exhaustion and morning sickness. Right. But because it wasn't particularly in the morning, mm. it was whenever I was just thinking, oh, well, this this is just obviously I've not been taking care of myself. I've been running around and doing too much. Maybe I'm not well. All kinds of things going through my mind. And actually, it was a really pleasant surprise. To <laughs> I was pregnant and not something else. <laughs> I know. When I first found, when I thought I might be pregnant, I went to the doctors because I had really achy boobs. And I those had breast cancer in the family. I lost my mum to cancer. So I was telling the doctor, you need to check my boobs. They really hurt. I think I might have cancer. She went, have you done a test? I was like, a what? A pregnancy <laughs> test? No. So I was enormously relieved that it was pregnancy and not cancer at my end. So I totally, totally understand that that perspective. Totally understand it. Now, when you um, you were pregnant, so now you've had a chat to your hubby or your future hubby. And how did that pregnancy unfold for you? Well, it was really interesting. Um, what I discovered was it really made me think very, very quickly from the moment of having the scan. OK, what does my future look like with a child in it? And I did return after both of my daughters to working in that corporate environment, but I was aware even back then, longer term, that changes needed to be made. One of the first things that I did was withdrew some savings and booked myself to go and do a coaching course that I'd been looking at for a couple of years, mm. 
with a view to planning a long-term exit strategy to enable me to balance having a family with my career and actually with what my future aspirations were going to be and something that would be more compatible with having a family. So you were already quite early on, you were being very strategic with your pregnancy and and treating it as the, almost as a warm-up for a life change. Is is that that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, Children do necessitate a lot of changes to be made and I was very very conscious that as a mother I wanted to be around for my children I was fortunate because my employer did have flexible working policies which did make that possible in the time that I was there after returning Mm. Um, longer term I did want to be able to have something where I was a little bit more in control of my own time my own schedule and I think in terms of being strategic about the pregnancy, I have to say, again, as soon as we came away from the scan, the first place we went to was Waterstones. It was, what do I need to know about babies? Because of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting. You said about babies. What about the pregnancy piece or the childbirth piece? Did you feel, did you buy any books on that as well? Um, yeah, the I'm trying to think what it was. What to expect when you're expecting was mm. the first one, I think, which is probably the same for the majority of parents because I had no idea what to expect. So the mm. title really stood out for me. And that was great because it took me through week by week. And also we were in the early days of having apps. So the Baby Centre app got downloaded so that I could find out where am I supposed to be, what sort of things am I going to experience? What have I been experiencing already now that's explained by this? Mm. Just preparing, just weeding up, because really um, I don't have, um, you know, my my birth family are not particularly close to me. So for me, there wasn't really a lot of people to go and ask. Mm. So it's important to, you know, be able to research that information myself and the other thing that I did quite early on after finding out was book up for NCT classes to get that support network around me. Mm -hmm. And so as part of that educational journey was it um, did you find that reading you know you you found the material you needed and, and that really helped you to sort of prepare is that where you got most of your sort of preparation I guess for your pregnancy for your childbirth for the all that did, was it all the information that you sought out yourself or did, was there anything else that was more forthcoming for you um let me think about that i think beyond the information that was in the book because mm. i scanned the book fairly quickly the thing that i was aware of is with having a high stress job that what i did need to do was look after the more physical side mm. So I'm very, very fortunate at the time I was living in Watford, which has got some really good um, antenatal support professionals. I decided to look into reflexology, one for the stress management benefits and two because I'd read that it could help with birth and with helping to make that easier and less, um, I guess, less painful really it's when there is research there that it does shorten durations of time in labor Mm. and that sounded quite appealing because if i'm honest the labor at the end of it baby great 
labour from all of the things that we see in the media and portrayed on TV wasn't really looking forward to that part to be honest (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling (laughs) but I was really fortunate I found a reflexologist who was also an experienced community midwife so she really understood the emotional and the holistic side of pregnancy for women having that vast experience so to have her as if you like part of my team was brilliant when you say you you got some reflexology did you have sort of regular sessions during your pregnancy or was that something that yeah so how often were you having those sessions fortnightly (laughs) wow (laughs) so was that you know was that throughout your second and third trimester you had fortnightly sessions brilliant and so what were you addressing all aspects of your stress levels at that point were you how did they what were you covering in those sessions it was all aspects because the first I remember the first session distinctly and she pinpointed particular areas um, which were causing stress particular things to pay attention to if you're familiar with holistic work and it was actually around areas of communication Mm. so one of the things that I used to help me as I was also going through my coaching training as well was journaling so just using journaling to express anything that I was feeling around the pregnancy around the shifting family dynamic I found that really important and really helpful and as I say that was something that came up in the first sessions holistic in the treatment you use your pregnancy journey as an opportunity to kind of address bigger life issues in preparation for motherhood. Is, is that right? I think so. I think so. I think preparing for motherhood is a change, and particularly when your own role models, if you like, of um, motherhood and parental behaviour have not been amazing, mm. for you to be able to take that time to reflect and to understand what sort of parent you want to be perhaps, Mm. what you want that relationship to look like with your child. These are all things that do come into our mind when we're pregnant. Mm. We begin to consider how the future is going to be Mm. and to process that and to address, okay, what has brought you from your past to the point that you're in now and how do you want to move it forward positively? I think... Pregnancy offers a perfect opportunity to take that time and space to reflect, to make sure you're going into it as well prepared as you possibly can. No, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And it's, it's, it sounds wonderful that you, you took that opportunity and you really proactively, you know, hired people around you to help you to do that and to prepare. And, and so do you think that that was, you know, looking back on the work that you did as part of your pregnancy to prepare, do you think, you know, are you happy with what you did or do you think you could have done more? Do you think you did, it was fine, it was adequate? Is there anything you'd change about that period? I think, I think it was adequate. I think if I knew then what I know now, I would have possibly been a little bit more insistent with my employers around the amount of time that I took off from the business. Mm around things like reducing responsibilities more quickly but actually by the time I had my second pregnancy I had learned that and I did address that that time around so that was important and I think there were other things that I did to prepare as well around um, yoga around exercise 
around things like natal hypnotherapy, which were all things actually within the first pregnancy that helped to create the positive experience that I had. So it sounded, it sounds like, you know, you really sort of focused on creating, you had a, a, a goal, as it were, of having a really great pregnancy and, and a great birth and you really worked really hard to try and do as much as you can to bring that about mm. yeah no that sounds wonderful so so now let, let's let me just ask you about the birth how did you know leading up to the, the time leading up to the birth as it was becoming ever more you know you facing it in the in the face as it were how was that the last few weeks leading up to the birth for you the last few weeks well as I say this corporate thing and not stepping away from responsibility. So my daughter was originally, her due date was the 28th of March. Mm. You have a week off before the due date. The one thing first time round on the pregnancy, you think the due date is the due date. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to the Friday when I finished work, which was great. A couple of things to wrap up and I thought, oh yeah, I'll do those on Monday. Um, three o'clock on Saturday morning, after just going to John Lewis's, doing all the nesting, buying the nice new towels and everything, yeah. the ceiling of my kitchen collapsed. Oh, the bathroom fitted about six months before. Oh my goodness! So all of my lovely new John Lewis towels were <laughs> for that. Um, I've got a house which is in chaos and disarray. We went to go and stay with a friend. And we were still there, and it was actually Mothering Sunday at 10 a.m. when I started to get the first signs of um, labour, which really for me were nothing more than, I guess it felt a little bit like, you know, kind of period pain, nothing Mm. more than that. But I had just a sense of, this is going to happen today. (laughs) (laughs) And so we left where we were at about midday, got back to the house, and I was fortunate my next door neighbour had already had children as well. So I was out in the back garden having a chat over the garden fence as I was walking round and round the garden at four o'clock. Fantastic. Um, you know, and just keeping really active, really putting into practice everything that we'd learnt within the antenatal classes and within the yoga sessions, which were fantastic for the training that we got on birth positions and mm. how to, you know, minimise any discomfort. Um, so that was really good. Um, my husband, he did what all the guys are advised to do within the antenatal class and cooked himself a pizza. <laughs> my bag was already packed. Um, by eight o'clock in the evening, it was starting to get a little bit interesting, you know, kind of interesting positions on the sofa. <laughs> and, things like that. Um, and I took one paracetamol and I phoned the hospital because I was in a midwife-led centre mm. at Watford General Hospital, which was really great. I phoned them and she said, what are you doing taking one paracetamol, you silly girl? That's not going to do anything. You should take two. Well, I didn't. Mm. I was managing okay and she said, you know, you sound fine. You sound very, very calm, obviously, because I've been doing natal hypnotherapy. That worked really well. See how it goes and give us a call back if anything changes. Mm. So by midnight, um, I had a sense my waters were going to break. So that was fun. We even prepared then <laughs> plastic back picnic rugs. <laughs> <laughs> my waters broke, saved the carpet. 
And I phoned the hospital again to say that my waters had broke. They didn't believe me because apparently I sounded too calm. And they said, come come in at six o'clock in the morning. And I said, I'm really sorry. I'm telling you, this is definitely my waters have broken. We'll see you shortly. So we jumped in a taxi down to the hospital and got settled in. The one thing I wish I'd have been a bit more insistent about, though, was the monitoring. Mm. At that point, rather than doing it with a mobile monitor, they insisted on me getting onto a bed and going on my back. Now, bear in mind that I'd been kind of leaning forward on all fours. That that made it quite uncomfortable at mm. kind of the transitional phase of the pregnancy. So as soon as I got that off of me... I was in the room that I was in and just made everybody go away while I did my breathing exercises to get through it whilst they were preparing the the water pool for me. Okay. And that was seemed to pass by really quickly actually. Yeah. Phase. So it was just a case of going very much within, breathing. And one of the things that I took actually, um, now I'm thinking about it, it was jasmine oil. Okay. She can't use within pregnancy, but actually when you're in that point of delivery, that can be very beneficial. And I found that by using the oils, that was also helping me to breathe more deeply, which was helping to mm. minimise anything that I was feeling. And then they were ready for me in the pool. And I think... That stage from getting into the pool to my daughter being born was probably about 30 minutes. Wow. And that was a fantastic experience. Mm. Was she born in the water? She was born in the water. Oh, amazing. She swam out and she (laughs) looked up as soon as she was placed in my arms, just looked up and gazing. How lovely. Snuggling in, yeah. So that was really lovely. And then my husband cut the cord and yes at that point I could have um yeah he he has a story about that one he decided to declare the baby open which neither myself nor the midwives found very funny he found it hilarious not us (laughs) but I think it was possibly nerves so we let him off with that one and yeah so that was a really good experience and then my daughter obviously went to my husband while I did the next stage of labour so you said you so so you're basically in a pool for about 30 minutes Mm. and you talked about being on your back for a bit while they were monitoring you and um you mentioned that being on your back was a little bit uncomfortable for you is that right yes and so was that and then when you got into the pool did that really relieve was that did you notice a note a difference in how you felt being in water hugely hugely. and actually that had been what i've been doing in the evening throughout i must have ran three or four baths because that was what i was doing at home as well to match the pain so before it was so far on that it was going to delay anything but yeah. yeah So do, would you, when you look back at your birth experience, would you consider it to be a painful or at times painful experience or not? I would say probably not. There is going to be some discomfort involved. Mm. Um, I think if you understand and you do the preparation of how to manage that and how to support yourself, I think it is very manageable. With my second pregnancy... Um, when I was in delivery with my second daughter, the pool wasn't available as quickly as we would like. 
Um, we, we did get there eventually, but in that one, I had to spend a lot of time. I was actually just, you know, in the quiet room with the beanbags. And because, again, of having that instinct of how to manage any of the kind of discomfort or pain that I was feeling, it, it was almost being able to sort of push that away and to find a very, very quiet space and just breathe through it. Mm. So it sounds like breathing was very much your kind of your way of coping throughout the the delivery time and the and your labor is that is that right were you resorting to other tools or tips or techniques or anything else to help you is it mainly breathing mainly breathing and position okay so adjusting position and I think if you don't overthink it you just almost allow your body to do what it needs to do You you will find the right space to be in and so for you, did you find that breathing just allowed you to kind of almost surrender to your body, as it were, and to find that what yeah. your body needed to do? Very much, very yeah. much. And so how different was your, you, you just touched briefly on your second birth, but how, how different was that? Or how, what about your pregnancy? Were they chalk and cheese or were they quite similar? How, how did they differ to your first experiences? I think my second one, I did want it to be distinctly different. So the mm. thing we did very differently second time around was we didn't find out what we were going to have. Okay. Whereas we had, we knew that we were having a daughter first time around. Mm. Um, beyond that, I think I ran it fairly similarly in terms of the reflexology, the yoga, the fitness. My second daughter, though, went overdue, but... If I say overdue by their calculations, not by mine. So what do you mean by that? Did you have different, did you have different... I absolutely knew the date that I'd conceived. Yeah. And their measurements were showing something different and they put what they measure. Yeah. And I was adamant that actually, no, because I absolutely know um, when it happened. So there was... um, I made sure that that was stipulated in the notes because I felt that because of the timing of it, because my daughter, they had her due date down was the 31st of December, Mm. which is not the most convenient date. No. (laughs) Um, It wasn't, it it was due to be later than that. And I had it estimated round about the 6th of January from my date. Okay. So they started the clock much earlier than me in terms of inducement. Yeah. My daughter actually was born on the 11th of January, and I think five days over when she was expected is fine. That's within a normal tolerance. Yeah. But they were being very insistent, oh, this has got to happen, that's going to happen. And I was very insistent back, I think, because of some things that happened after my first daughter was born. I was much more insistent about my rights and about what was and wasn't acceptable and actually if they were going to disagree with my instincts as a mother, then actually on their head be it. They had some um, interesting words within the birth plan. <laughs> um, so I, I was a lot stronger. And again, back to that thing of where I said I was kind of handled by the midwives onto my back in the mm. first one. I was adamant that that wasn't happening in the second. I said, no, you have mobile monitoring devices. This is how we will be doing it. So I took control much more. But... It didn't end up being induced beyond really the sweep um, on the Monday afternoon. That was enough. And because, again, I'd been doing things with it going overdue, I started doing things to support myself there, such as things like raspberry leaf tea, evening primrose oil, to help prepare. Mm. 
as well as making sure I was doing plenty of the positioning exercises and things like that to try and bring the baby down. Mm. Now, um, I'm interested just to ask you a little bit more about how you sort of stood up to the, 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 the midwives or the doctors or the people that were pressuring you for the induction, because certainly that was a similar to my experience. I was getting, they got my due date wrong. And, and you know, how you, you know, where did you turn to for maybe your information to give you the confidence that, you could sort of stand up to them and, and insist on it being your way, not their way. And, you know, if you could just talk a little bit about that, it would be really good to hear. I think I was lucky that I had a very good and very supportive GP. Mm. So when midwives in the surgery were trying to insist things, I said, well, OK, but you're not going to mind if I amend the birth plan, are you? And at that point, that was where I made it quite clear to them I was actually quite serious about being heard mm. and not just acting irrationally, but actually making sure that I had that written down very effectively. I think it's just taking the time. It's having the conversation with people. So when I went into the hospital, because the sweep was actually in the hospital rather than at the surgery, it was sitting down with the staff that were doing that and explaining my reasoning and why I wanted things to be done in a particular way and how that related, if you like, to my previous experience. And were they receptive, do you think, or did you have to be quite strong and insistent with them? I think it was being strong and insistent, but in a very calm way. Mm. I think if you, in that situation, dealing with medical professionals, if you're not calm, you lose. Yeah. And they then start to try and use that against you or use that to almost manipulate your partner against you. I've heard stories of that happening with friends yeah. where because they're in pain or they're in labour and they want something to happen, you know, the midwife stops talking to them as a person. They become essentially just a vessel to deliver a child and starts asking the husband to make decisions, which is not great. No, no. So I think keeping that air of being calm, but also being quite certain up front mm. between what it is you want and what it is you're prepared to compromise on. Yeah. And I think for any woman, I think giving that consideration a good two, three months in advance of going into hospital and making sure that your partner or whoever's supporting you is fully on board with how you want things to go. Um, because actually, if I go with my second daughter, it was, it was quite interesting because by the time I was in the pool, so I was at sort of nine and a half centimetres and ready, yeah. my waters didn't break. My waters hadn't broken and they didn't break. Mm. So I ended up in a really interesting situation because, as you know, I find the water helps in yeah. that situation. So I was negotiating from the birthing pool. Because <gasps> right. I said, well, OK, this is going on for so long now. We're going to have to, you know, rupture so that the baby can come out, which absolutely, yes, I fully agreed with from a safety point of view. And I said, well, look, if we do this, and when the waters come out, it's clear, i.e. there's no meconium, mm. and it's safe to go back in the pool, ideally I'd like to get straight back in. Mm. And that was the deal we struck. Fortunately, that's what happened. Um, again, within 15 minutes of them doing that, Eden was out. So your waters didn't break until... 
so I was in the pool and the waters hadn't broken and she was pushing effectively against the membrane. Right, okay. So I had to step out of the pool, Yeah. go and have that done, jump yeah. back in and even came out. Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> and she was such a chilled out baby though. Oh, I'm not surprised but, having the, the protection of the amniotic sac the whole of that time. That would have been really good for her. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So what would, what advice would you offer women then that kind of are dealing with that kind of, the difficulty of having to maybe confront the medical team up until that, that birth, in, in that very sort of critical, stressful time when you're just about to give birth? Have you got any advice specifically to help women in that situation? I think it's thinking about I think what we've all got to do because it is a team when we're delivering a baby it's a team mm. you're the one doing most of it yeah um and therefore you do need to be listened to not all women and I think it is it's partly this perception that when women are in labor that somehow they're not in control um I think if you can retain a little bit and make it very clear so for me in that situation with Eden I wasn't you know the thing for me if I couldn't have got back in the pool fine but I did want an assurance that if the right things from a safety perspective were met that it was Mm. okay Mm. so it's being aware of almost what the flow chart is how a birth can happen and what the different options are I found that the um, training and education we got on that through NCT was invaluable because Mm. it's kind of a if this then what and whilst it's not great to think about the scenario of things not going exactly to plan Mm. I think a lot of women would have better birthing experiences if they could accept that there's not one particular type of birth they're not all the same Mm. and anything can happen and if we can walk into that with an awareness with a preparedness about ourselves then we're in a much better position to make confident choices. So it really, it really is down to being very proactive about educating ourselves about that birthing process, about what our body's doing, about what happens in the hospital, about what happens in other environments, mm. and taking the time to just educate yourself. Did you spend a lot of time researching, reading, learning about things like this? Not really, not really. After the initial skim of the book, not a huge amount. Most of it came from the six or so NCT sessions. Right, okay. And as I say, with talking to people like my midwife, with the education that we got through the antenatal yoga classes, because my antenatal yoga teacher was very passionate about women being much more empowered within the birthing experience. I think the other piece of advice as well is with the midwives... It's find a midwife that, whilst they're allocated to you, if you're not happy with the service or the attitude that you're getting, you can ask for them to be changed. Mm. Not that I had to do that in any of my scenarios. In fact, one of the situations we had a trainee in as well, which was fantastic. Mm. But you do have rights and things that you can request if you're not happy with situations and your partner needs to be supportive of that as well. Yeah. So just sort of listening to your, you know, the, the, what you shared with us today, it sounds like, you know, you, you took an active role in your first pregnancy to really work on preparing for motherhood and dealing with all the life stresses that were, get, were getting involved in your life at that time and clearing the decks, as it were, for being a mum. But, mm-hmm. you know, you really resorted to NCT and then doing the uh, 
yoga the, in, really it's nct and yoga that was your main forms of birth preparation from the sounds of it and and mm. and that that was sufficient for you to really go into pregnancy and birth particularly from a fit you know free of fear and and to enjoy them and have positive experiences and that sounds that sounds like an incredible outcome really given that you know what, what how you prepared mm. well i think there was also the natal hypnotherapy Okay, so tell us a bit about that. What did you do? Did you go and see somebody or did you get no, some sessions? or what didn't happened? do classes, just did the CDs at home. But okay. obviously, because I've been doing the training as a coach, understanding mm. the construct of where fears come from. Yeah, okay. And being able to challenge those assumptions. So what fears did you have at the outset that you worked on or that the sessions addressed? What, what kind of fears did you have? I th- I would say probably for me the absolute unknown mm. of going into childbirth. Um, my own when I was born, I heard a lot of horror stories about what happened when I was born. Okay. So, you know, it had always been something to me that sounded quite oh my god. You know, it ended up in a C-section. It wasn't particularly pleasant. It wasn't handled well. So. For me, I had all of that to undo, if you like, Mm. to be able to go, well, actually, that was somebody else's experience. This is not the way it always is. It's actually not even integral to me, even though it was the only thing I used to hear about growing up. It's, you know, this is somebody else's thing, and I can choose to have it differently with my own children. So it's that ability to choose and to... I think, as you've said, the preparation is about creating the best conditions. Mm. It may not mean you're going to have a perfect birth with no no drama anywhere. I mean, certainly, you know, when we're getting to that point with my second, you know, where, you know, the amniotic sac hadn't broken it. That was, there was a little bit of a moment of, oh, my God, right, I've got to stay calm now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've always got the option to choose how we respond in any given moment. And I think it's not something, I think perhaps one of the things that's just occurring to me now is perhaps when we're in pregnancy in the way that it is for a woman, you know, a constant round of appointments where you're on somebody else's schedule, it does feel a bit like a kind of conveyor belt that you can't get off of Mm. as opposed to, okay, can we do things in a more measured way? Can we stop? Can we take a pause for a moment? And I think that, for me, has been the thing that's key to it. And it's it's the thing that's key as well. When, when you become a new parent, you're faced with new situations every day. And do you think that the work that you did during your pregnancy, I'm thinking maybe that the reflexology and that preparation work that you did on, on maybe addressing some of the stresses in your life, that that really prepared you for parenthood i think it got us to a certain point um parenthood i think is a completely different ball going because whilst you've had all of this support leading up to the birth then when you've actually got a live baby there and you take your baby home <laughs> it's kind of okay what do i do you know actually for me a lot of it was trusting instinct mm. But we, we did have, um, there were a couple of problems after, as I say, after I had my first daughter, 
there were a couple of problems. There was a misdiagnosis made by a health professional that had quite a profound impact on us. And that was something that I then had to deal with the effects of going into my second pregnancy. Mm. So I think, again, with parenting, you never know when there's going to be a curveball. So, again, it's very much about being present and being, I think, aware of the overall picture of where you want the outcomes to lead. I mean, my thing for my two daughters, I want them to be happy. I want them to be confident. They're both of those things. They're now four and six. And, you know, it's an absolute joy to see. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you you took a very mindful approach, like that sense of choosing how you want to respond, choosing how you're going to feel, choosing the outcome and being very much taking control from that perspective and that sounds like it really helped you during mm. your pregnancy well thank you so much laura for sharing your pregnancy journey your births as well they just sounded wonderful so thank you so much for taking time out to to tell us all about that now um you did mention at the beginning of our chat your work around women do you just want to sort of tell us a little bit more about that before you go yeah yeah certainly so the talented woman project is something that i've set up with a colleague um it comes from my background i was the chair of the women's network in in bt in the corporate that i used to work for mm. and i coached a number of midlife women or women who'd recently had children going through those transitions of identity and what i see is a lot of women with a lot of gifts that sometimes need the confidence and support to bring those things forward so the hope is through this project what we'll do is we'll provide interviews with different women from whole cross sections of life to look at how we define success on our own terms to share strategies and to really celebrate women who are out there making a difference not just at the top levels, I see a lot of conversations focusing on women at really high levels of industry, but actually in the day-to-day community as well. So where can people find out more about that then? if they Because that sounds like a fascinating project. Yeah, at the moment, we're just very early stages. So we've got a Facebook group, which okay. is the Talented Woman Tips for Success. Okay. And I'm an open networker on both Facebook and LinkedIn. So if you put in Laura Morrison and the Game Changer Consultancy, you can find me pretty much all over social media. Oh, fabulous. Well, I'm going to have all those links on the show notes of the podcast on the fearfreechildbirth.com website. So for anyone listening, you can just go to the show notes and get all those links from there. And also we'll link on from the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook page as well. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for joining me today. It's been absolutely fabulous listening to your story. It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Alexia. I hope you enjoyed listening to Laura share her story. Now, the thing is, since I recorded this interview with her, it was a few months ago now, but only this week she announced that she's got little one number three on the way. So a massive, massive congratulations to Laura. And just listening to her, how she deals with pregnancy and her birth, I just know it's going to be absolutely fantastic for her. So wishing her all the best from the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. As I mentioned during the show, if you want to find out more about Laura, there's all the links to the stuff that she gets up to all on the show notes, which you'll be able to find at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash Laura. And you can find out everything there. Now, this is the last episode before we take a break for August. I'm going to be going away. So unfortunately, I won't be able to keep the podcast coming because I'm going to be where there's no internet, which is going to be blissful. So I'll be back in September. So I hope you guys have a fabulous August and I'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. 
You've just been listening to Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, she'd really love it if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or shared it with a friend. And don't forget, to get a free chapter from her book, head over to fearfreechildbirth.com to get your copy, as well as finding other episodes in this podcast and more about how Alexia can help you with pregnancy and birth preparation coaching. Until next time.